love this podcast, support us by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the link in the episode description to support us now. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Nicole, I got a question for you. Tell me. If you could visit anybody in your lifetime, past or future, where would you go and why? I guess I'd go back in time and like see my young parents. You'd want to see your parents when they were younger? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how far back do you think you would go, though? Probably to the 80s or early 90s before my dad got sick and before I became okay. a, like a, what's that word? Like, like Cognizant? Uh, yeah. Before, you know, okay. my intellectual right. things came to yeah, be. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Would you try to converse with them? Probably. And I probably could because... If you saw the child me, you would never think that it would turn out to look like this. So oh, really? <laughs> they wouldn't. They, they wouldn't have wouldn't. any way of figuring it out. Yeah. Eddie, where, where, and when would you go, and who would you go be gravitating towards? Um, I would think Eddie. I would actually go and visit my younger self, uh, junior high school years. Um, yeah, I would do that. And have a conversation. Anything in particular you would want to say, warn them about? Um, I would give them the gay advice that I never got mm, mm-hmm. to help them through the formative years. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of wasted time of being scared, a lot of wasted time of feeling alone, a lot of wasted time just uh, isolating myself and not understanding. So I would kind of give the the words the advice um and let them know that uh you know not to sound corny uh but things will get better okay so you'd be like your own homosexual sensei kind of yeah the time traveling gay agenda in a way <laughs> uh yeah so i think i might gravitate towards um probably my last family trip that we took to disney world when my father was still alive i was also still in college so uh, you know, just really, really cherish that college body before it all <laughs> quickly, very quickly <laughs> went to waste, right? <laughs> just be like, just see from afar being like, God, it's so funny. Like, I used to think, I mean, back, I was fat, but like, compared to now, right? It's just like, you don't oh, know. Yeah. yeah. You don't know yet, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then just to see my family having a good time, you know? I have some great pictures still from that, from that thing. So I think that's probably where I would gravitate towards but yeah, we all, it's interesting, right? We all have different, different things that we would want to accomplish with time travel. Yeah. And uh, I think the time traveler doesn't accomplish any of those things in the property that we're about to talk about called the time traveler's wife. Controversial uh, opinion? Maybe. Is it? Uh, let's see. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the one who pitched this. I'm excited to talk about it because I have opinions. So let's get right into it. I'm Rolando. And I'm Nicole. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast. About unoriginality. Before we kick the episode off, I do want to say thank you to any new listeners we may be who may be tuning in for the first time after uh, seeing us at the Thomas Edison Film Festival and uh, Hudson Pride event 
shout out to everybody, you know, who visited our booth and uh, also got to see us, you know, moderate a Q and A Q&A with uh, a filmmaker, David De La Fuente. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and if you're here because you met us in person and you wanted to check it out, welcome. I hope this doesn't disappoint you. This is an interesting episode for you to be picking up this podcast potentially with because this is going to definitely be, uh, I think, a controversial episode because it's a controversial topic and it's controversial content. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so has anyone read this book, first of all? No, I only saw the movie with Rachel McAdams. Me too. I wanted to read the book because the movie left me kind of... I didn't see it when it, I didn't see it in theaters. I think I saw it like in at, at home, uh, but the movie left me wanting to see. It's just like I don't. What is the hype about this? Yeah, book, is that right? all because there it's is? Just like, yeah, like kind of. And uh, according to my research, like the book was better than the movie, but it's like, what could the book explore? I don't know. Like it seems weird. It's just a weird concept. So should we just get right into it? Uh. Yeah, I haven't read the book either. Oh, duh. <laughs> First, yeah. I, did you read the book, Nicole? No. <laughs> so just about you. I know this is very like <laughs> loggy for Rolando. I love it. Um, <laughs> but I will say that I remember when this film came out and when like mm-hmm. trailers came out. I think it was only like 2021. And I actually thought that he was like an inventor. I was a time traveler. Mm-hmm. And that I was like, I don't know if I want to watch like the wife of an inventor who like decides that he wants to time travel with his life. I had no idea that it was actually about someone who involuntarily time travels. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's a lot. We will get into it. Eddie, have you read it? No, no, I didn't read this book. And Eddie is our, our producer who who's with us for most episodes, if you are new to this program. You know, we do like to read, but this book has escaped us, and we're not focusing on the book. So if anyone's here who wants to hear us talk about the book, we're really focusing on the media properties. That's what we do at Remakes, Reboots, Revivals. But it was a book, and it came out in 2003, actually. 2003. Mm, wow. Uh, All right, so I was still in high school. Yeah, I was still in high school, too. I was very young. It's a debut novel by an author whose name I can't quite pronounce. So if I mess it up, I apologize. Her name is Audrey Niffenegger. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I remember. You, yeah. yeah, you you want to be careful how Nedger, you pronounce yeah, that. Yeah, that just sounds good. Because, yeah. You, you would, Audrey Niffenegger? Yeah, stick it to, stick to that. It could be a dicey. Like if you say the, uh, the vowel there, the wrong. Came out. And apparently the reason that she wrote this book was because she was in a bunch of, or she was in a relationship that uh, ended badly for her and she was kind of left scarred and left feeling very lonely from it. And she kind of wanted to write a book about her experiences of being kind of like in love, but also very lonely. And so she wrote some, a, a book about a woman who's married to a man that time travels. Again, I don't know if the book focuses on both perspectives or just one versus the other, but of course... Any huge like novel that gets taken, you know, off, especially with like a certain demographic, uh, gets optioned to a book pretty quickly. And this one did from twenty oh three to twenty oh nine. Book came out, movie was made. That's like a really short period of time. Mm-hmm. And also the movie I think was supposed to come out earlier than it did, but they had to do some reshoots um after maybe a test screening or whatever, and they had to wait for an extended period of time because Eric Bana had like shaved off all his hair for Star Trek. Because he was in the first Star Trek. That's uh, right. Reboot. He was the Romulan leader. Yeah. So they had to like wait for his hair to grow back and stuff. 
who was also a time traveler. FBI. Yeah, technically he go. was also yeah. a time traveler. There. Yeah, Eric Bana and Eric Bana, you know, like a person that we don't really talk about nowadays, but has been in a lot of like epic stuff. He was also in Troy. He was he in was, Troy. Uh, that, he was also the Incredible Hulk. He was. No, he. It was just uh, Ang Lee's just Hulk. Hulk. But yeah. still, we the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, it's the same shit. No, it's um, not. They're two very different movies. I'm not One talking about the movies. Of... I'm talking about oh, the character. Sure, yes. But then yeah, they are how... very different movies. Um, and Rachel McAdams, who I think just came off of Notebook, Mean Girls fame, and and stuff, and and was now becoming like a a staple. But again, yeah, I think this is her first of the time travel movies that she's been in. Yeah, she's been in a lot. <laughs> She's been in many time traveler stories. She's had uh, a lot of affairs with time travelers, let's just say. My favorite one being so. uh, About Time, which I think was such a very underappreciated film, but it's such a lovely story. And it's not... I think so many of these focus on the love story. This one actually focuses on... I think this real story was about a father and a son, and it was tragic in a way. Oh, so is that... Is it at least... I was going to say, is it a British film or is the main character British? I think it might be a British film, but Donald Gleason, isn't it? Okay. The the the, the redhead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I never saw it, but I know it. I I saw like a list on on Letterbox where Rachel McAdams in love with a time traveler, and I think she's in Doctor Strange. <laughs> and Doctor Strange, right? One. Yeah. Because <laughs> he has a time stone. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this movie was directed by Robert Schwentiki. I think that's how you say his name. A lot of hard to pronounce last names. <laughs> uh, he also did Flight Plan with Jodie Foster. And he did Red with Helen Mirren and Bruce Willis. Oh, I liked movie. Red. I don't yeah. know Flight Plan. Uh, Flight Plan is uh, Jodie Foster. And yeah. it's like she's in a plane and she loses her daughter during the flight. And it's pretty much like a remake of The Lady Vanishes where it's like, you've never oh, seen her daughter. That's right. It was referenced in uh, that new Netflix show, The Lady Outside the Window Across the Street. That comedy, oh, the comedy, yeah. Okay. The yeah, ending, yeah. the ending, ends. yeah. The it's ending like, ends yeah. with her in that situation. Wow. Okay. Um, and he also directed two of the Divergent films. So, which <laughs> oh, that's a <laughs> his big <laughs> claim to fame. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's who who uh, made the film. It was the screenplay was written by Bruce Joel Rubin, who also did the screenplay for uh, Jacob Slatter, Ghost. You know the movie Ghost. Oh, with Ghost! Patrick wow. Swayze. Yeah. Okay. So he um, likes like really sentimental, heart-heavy stuff. Yeah, that kind of like you know, life, death, time. You know, these seem to be things that you know. Oh, we got to go to Bruce Joel Rubin for that. Uh, when this movie came out, um, it was not universally loved by critics, but it was mm -hmm. a box office success. Now, okay. Rolando, you said you didn't see it in theaters. Did you see it in theaters, Eddie? You think oh, so? wow. But you don't remember. Okay. I don't totally remember. I saw okay. this in theaters or not. So all of us are coming to this work with pretty like with a very new perspective, right? Like we we weren't younger and revisiting it. We're seeing it now as like thirty year olds. Oh wait, no, I saw it. I saw this. I saw it when it came to home, like to after uh, after its release. In oh, theaters. I misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. I thought you just watched it recently. No, I yeah, I was like too, it was like it probably no, was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't ago. like when a movie. Oh, so I'm you not guys saw this when you were younger. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And yeah, revisiting yeah. it now as yeah. older people. Okay, so you have a certain perspective because this is my first. Time I do. I have at, a double perspective. All. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Because so I, I rewatched it for the pod. But interesting. So there's a lot to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, the plot's kind of. 
all over the place, <laughs> but well, it's yeah, really so simple. I'll let you it take is it, Rolando. simple. Sure. In terms of the plot, this is story follows. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. What is her name? Claire. The story follows Claire and Henry. And mm-hmm. Henry has a genetic mutation that allows him to travel through time. He can't control it. It just happens. And uh, Henry visits Claire throughout her childhood and adolescence and uh, formative years. And Claire, as a youngster, falls in love with this man, this figure who keeps visiting her in her life. I already have opinions, but continue. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think they're valid because I think it's a valid opinion to have. Uh, And eventually they will meet in a sequential order where he is in his late 20s she's in her early 20s they meet at where he works a library and uh she tells him i know you're a time traveler i know you've been visiting me my whole life and uh, we're finally meeting officially for the first time right because her life lives in a linear pattern he Every time we see him, he could be different ages, different uh, time periods, right? We don't know where he's going to be. He doesn't live life in one straight and narrow. And a lot of the conflict in the story is about their relationship, right? This loneliness that she feels when he disappears and this longing of her to be a biological mother, which poses problems because his sperm and the fetus ends up uh, creating miscarriages for her. And I think that brought up like an interesting, I thought, consent question later on in the film. But, uh, you know, the story, it really focuses on this love story between this woman who is stuck in the present and this guy who keeps visiting the past, sometimes the future, and uh, the maybe will they, won't they have a child storyline. Yeah. And that's that is essentially what happens in the film. Uh, we can also somewhat discuss the television show at the same time if we want to, because they're they're not quite up to the ending part yet of the mm-hmm. film, but they are getting there. So I don't know if you want to just do the movie first and then the TV show. You want to talk about both? We might let's do them separately, only because okay. I think each of them bring up different questions of consent in different manners. I think. Yes. Uh, okay. I see. I see what you're saying. So the movie, you can tell that like if one, it was based off of a book because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's there's a lot happening and there's like a lot that they really felt like they needed to in, in order to properly tell the story in a very short amount of time that yeah. everything feels like it's moving at a very fast pace. Yeah, I mean, just when they met alone was just like it's like I I've known you my whole life. Let's go on a date. Yeah, it's just like wow, like well, how is he not terrified of her? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and yeah, exactly. Uh, so many things kind of get glossed over uh, in the film. And I guess because of that, the, the, the actors, I don't know if they read the film. I don't know if they talked with the author. I know the author kind of distanced herself from the film just because she felt oh. like, not because she disapproved, but because she was like, it's not mine anymore. Let them do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, They didn't really feel... I guess, I, I guess I'll say real. Like They didn't seem thoroughly thought out. They didn't the characters. Seem, yeah, they didn't seem like yeah. they had all this chemistry and stuff. So that is like off the bat. And then like, you know, you sit for that. For two, for me, at least I sat with that for like almost two hours. Oh, no, I agree with you. I mean, Rachel McAdams on this one was kind of flat, right? Like, yeah, she was very doe eyed throughout the whole movie. And yes, it was kind exactly. of annoying. So she kind of never really seemed even in the scenes where she does. But she never really seemed to like have 
any sort of anger or strong like negative feelings about what was happening in this love story of her life. Yeah. Now, there are scenes a- where she was supposed to feel that way, but it never really actually, for me as an audience, registered that she really felt it. Uh-huh. I, I agree. I think at worst it felt like frustration. Yes. I think it was more so frustration. She always was incredibly happy. And almost like whenever she was frustrated, it was like she was like tiptoeing around it, you know, because like she really wasn't that like it wasn't that big a deal. And she didn't want to like have a big fight with Henry over it. But she's a little upset. So she's tiptoeing yeah. around it. You know, like that's what it felt more like. Which is wild when you think about it. Right. Because I feel ugh. all right. Just from the ending of this, I feel like this guy stole so much from her. Stole her youth. Right. Stole. He, 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 he never, she never had a fighting chance the moment she met him because every time she would meet him, she would form this idea of him and then she would be, as far as she knows, she will be his future wife, right? So, like, that kind of takes away any, not consent necessarily, but, like, any, I don't know, it makes a future, like, predetermined, right? Yeah. Like, and so, as far as she knows, this is always going to be the man she's going to end up with. So, like, mm-hmm. what, she has no say in the manner. Yeah, and then if you even take it from his perspective, um, he's like 20-something, meets a girl who says, I've known you my whole life, then ages about 10 years until he actually meets her, because I think when they first meet, he's in his 30s or 40s. He's much older. He's not 20. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. knows very well the whole spiel and just kind of does it and like talks to her in, in, in all of this ways, knowing that that's going to become his wife. He doesn't like try to... like go against the grain and it's interesting because you could have theories about how time and 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 life works you know is everything written and you can't fuck it up if it's predetermined but at the same time like oh well you know this 12 year old is gonna be my wife so i'm totally gonna talk to her yeah (laughs) which is that in like that's i don't know it it still feels a little like from your perspective you actually have a choice and you're choosing Mm -hmm. to do this because you know you want to marry her when she's older yeah and it's like but it's just weird, right? Like, I I don't know. So if I could travel back in time, let's even use, like, me and Eddie. We are married, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would want to meet Eddie's younger self for several reasons. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't one want being, to either. Yeah, right? Like, you wouldn't want to meet your partner's past because, A, that's their past. A, that's theirs. Mm-hmm. Not mine uh, to, to, like, interfere. Not mine to judge. Not mine to 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 make my own assumptions of, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's his and more importantly, if I went to the past and I met Eddie and I told him, like, oh, one day I'm going to be your husband and stuff. Like, now <laughs> I've ruined him for the rest of his life because yeah. now he knows. It's just like, okay, well, now I'm going to be waiting for this guy to show up in my life, right? Well, yeah. Well, one, I must be gay. Uh, has he come true. to terms with that? <laughs> you know? Like, like uh, and also, like, heterosexuals don't often think about that but like did she even know anything about who she was sexually before he came in and was like now mm-hmm. he never really like flat out said things until she was a little older well, but it's kind of intimated four. yeah Eddie, Eddie Eddie said that this uh, this this is something that actually gets brought <laughs> up in episode four well, we're talking about the movie yeah, yeah. No, but, about the movie though, but. <laughs> um and but I'm glad it was addressed and it's also like oh bring a notebook and all this stuff like wait for me and I'll tell you the exact days I'll be here like is that not grooming in a, in a its own way? <laughs> it so yeah, so that's why. So I'm gonna pull the veil here a little bit, listeners. But I pitched this episode because I when when it was announced that there was gonna be a new time traveler's wife, my first reaction was just like, oh, that's interesting because I think in our culture nowadays we would realize that 
this is a little borderline problematic. Yeah. How? Why would we choose to revisit this movie? I'm not accusing uh, the original writer or even the new writer of making this a grooming storyline. But if you really look at it, it kind of is because he really fucks up this young girl from a young age. Uh, he does kind of groom her to be the wife. And they actually kind of do play around with that in, in the new one, I'll, uh, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but yeah, I, I would agree. It's like, I don't know. It's not, I don't know if it's necessarily grooming. I just think it's just ripping all choice she has in the matter. That's really what it is. Like, she has no power in this relationship. She's absolutely powerless in this entire relationship. Interesting. Um, I, I Ex- would, I would except for one moment. That. What moment would you say? That's so, there, so this is what I said. Like, this, like, this interesting play of consent in the film in which they're trying to ha- conceive a child. And uh, they, because of the time traveling, the child won't stay in utero. Mm-hmm. So he decides, like, he's gone through too much pain with her. He decides to have a vasectomy, right? When he announces this to her, A, again, I, I something you should have discussed as a married couple, right? You don't just do that. I think that's so fucked up what he did. But yeah. what she goes and does afterwards, which is bang a younger version of him, when he time travels to her, this is how wacky it gets. Yeah. She then gets pregnant. <laughs> and it's, and, um, and I also thought, she's like, well, what you did, I think might be more fucked up because like, you know, he doesn't want to have a child, but you went out of your way to still get that seed. And I'm not saying it's rape, but there is some fucked up form of consent that happened there. You know what I mean? Like he didn't consent to that. Like, you know that he does not want to have children. And yet you went and did it anyway yeah no that's a that's a good point yeah and um, I, I replayed the scene i'm just like there's how why how could we do this like how is this okay no uh it's it's a lot honestly like there's there's little things that like i'm sure if i had the film in front of me i could be like i find that that's a little uncomfortable and stuff even when she's just there's a scene when she's in the tub and he comes back and he's like i saw you you were 13 we did this together. <laughs> if I was her, I'd be incredibly uncomfortable from that. Creeped like, out, right. Like, thinking back on this man that, like, at 13, I'm sure it was great. But then, like, as an adult, does she not look back on her life and be, like, creeped out? How does she find it romantic? Because she's, like, being groomed. Because she's been manipulated. Yeah, she's, right. Um, which, which is, again, a problem. <laughs> absolutely. No, and it's it's... It's like this movie, and I never, it's so funny, right? Like, this is obviously something that you just develop as you get older, because when I first saw this movie, I just thought it was incredibly, like, what a wacky, kind of boring love story this was. Yeah. It wasn't until when they announced it, it was just like, oh, yeah, that's the one where, like, he meets her as a little girl, and, like, oh, wait, and that's what it hit me. It's just like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. He met as he met her as a child, and it just, like, as I kept thinking more about the movie, I'm just like, this is a, why would they revisit this one? This is a weird topic to just go back to well even if you take like some of the lesser scenes out of context it still kind of looks like she has like yeah she's powerless there's like a word for it like she's been robbed of of her identity or any choice when their house when they're the agency yes she's been robbed of any agency Mm. when they go house hunting and she's like oh it's really nice he's like no this isn't it and then he just like and she's like oh i don't like this one it's like you're telling me how i feel about this like, uh-huh. of course, you're coming from, like, the future and you know where it is. But at the same time, in her present, right, 
Like, she's being robbed of having her own fucking opinion, which yeah. also makes it seem like, did she actually have that opinion? Or is she mm -hmm. being told that that's her opinion, and therefore she's told that this is the house that she wants? Did she actually want that house? It's right. like little things like that. That is, yeah. it still, it rubs me the wrong way when I was watching the film. Mm -hmm. I mean, time travel is messy, mm -hmm. right? And uh, is this, we've done time travel films before, right? What was the last... I feel like we covered this on one time. We, no, we haven't. We probably have. Um, can't recall right now, but nothing. And I can't recall either. Not a time traveling love story. I not a of course. I mean, I think this is the, the this one. This is a tricky know. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's no, almost yeah. as tricky as vampires. So right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was. It's messy, and it's just like I don't know. I think it gets even messier when. So he dies. He gets shot by her father interesting uh this is where the i don't know if this is from the book or this is the movie that decides to go this route but he he is shot he goes into the past he gets shot by the father and then dies in front of his child in real life in real time and uh the fucked up part here again this poor woman now she's gonna get visited by his him still in the future right so he's dead but like she'll still be visited by other versions of him, and again, we'll never this be able is a, to move on. Yeah, she will never be able to move on. She's gonna be stuck on him yeah. forever. Yeah, you know what I mean. What a curse. That you know, that's terrible. And I, I mean, that's not like obviously in the way that this story and his disorder works. He doesn't have a choice to. But you know, in the first film, he tells her like, "I don't want you to wait for me. Like, I'm not gonna tell you when I'm coming because I don't want this to be the rest of your life." Oh, he finally gave her a choice. Yeah, yeah. It was like I, I'm deciding for you. Actually, no, <laughs> you <laughs> have right. to move That's on. Also true. Um, but it's also the way that they made the character in in the film, which is to me, I think I don't know if it's the writing or if it's Eric Bana, but I really felt like there was kind of zero personality coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, I really felt like he was kind of for a guy who like time travels and goes through all the shit. He was pretty vapid. And mm. didn't really have too many strong emotions about his life and his choices. Like very few scenes. I never really felt though, like the angst of what he was going through. I just yeah. felt like he was hitting the beats that he was supposed to, but not really hitting any beats for me in the terms of, I understand what he's going through. I understand mm -hmm. any emotion he's portraying right now. Yeah. Um, if anything, they would just say it. There yeah, was a lot of exposition. Just, yeah, a lot of just telling me things and not really making me, like, not showing it and not really feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, and this is part of the reason why. So I kind of was tempted to read the book, but I was just like, but do I want to, I don't know, like, what if the book is just as bad as movie? Like, I don't know if I want to. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if I want to visit it. Eddie, well, you saw this you, potentially in theaters, right? Did you like the movie? What did you, I mean, out of curiosity. Yeah, so I, <clears throat> so I, I did like, the movie um i did not see it the way you guys saw it in a sense of like loss of agency I, I just thought it was like a very interesting way of doing a love story out of context so to speak out of like out of order for out her of order okay um so i mean the interesting things you guys are are bringing up on the idea of like um you know it's, it's determination causality if you know something to be something um and you believe it then there is no other like choice for you you like you or you decide to take choice out of the equation here yeah. i mean it's the i mean it's it it's it's 
this is one of the things about time travel that I, I hate. It, it's like this whole thing of like, um, did it happen? Did I create this because I created it? I was inspired or because I saw it already. And by seeing it and I was told I was going to create it, I created it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, he's visiting her. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because now I'm just, I just I, um, I'm like mixing them up in my head, but, I mean, he has the dates of when he's gonna see her because yeah. she gave him those dates, right? In the in the movie, in the movie, how does in it the work? movie, uh, she doesn't have the dates. She, she just she, she keeps does. Track no, them she herself. has the yeah. She has the dates in her notebook. I remember there's that scene where he walks into the room and he looks through the notebook. She's like, "That's my diary. What are you doing?" Right, but those are the dates that she was keeping track of. They weren't given to her. Okay. That's from the TV show. But then, but no, because in the movie. He looks at it, and then when he meets her for the first time, he says, "You know, bring a pen and paper. I'll tell you next time when I'm coming." Because oh wait, he went that happened in the, the movie too. The notebook, yeah. Okay, I Which might is be mistaken then. What right, explains right. why you know she's always ready, and they built this this relationship? That would explain. That makes sense. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So yeah, so like automatically you create the situation where he knows he's going to visit her, so he already it's already in his head like, "Oh, I'm visiting her." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I remember finally what the time travel was. This is when we talked about La Jete and 12 Monkeys. Duh. Oh, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. So it's, it's that sense of like, it takes the decision of him visiting her, whether he's going to visit her or not visit her, uh, because he knows he already did it. So he's just going to do it. <laughs> you know? So in, yeah. in this self, in itself, um, the choice has been taken away too from him yeah because he was told to do it so he's like well now i have to well i mean i suppose so he maybe feels like he's he's like he has no choice in the matter and he has to act a certain way and do a certain thing but if i was there in front of a 12 year old i would be like no fuck this this is wrong right like so i think that henry's just an idiot at the end of the day because Mm. like he also has something like he gets to make his own fucking rules Mm-hmm. You know, so there is no kind of uh, uh, blueprint for how to handle. Yes, things. no presidents from this yeah. for this. Yes, yeah. no, like so. I, I mean, I, I think so. We're if always he gonna... loved her, he would have been like, "I can't talk to her. That's wrong." I had to avoid her as much as possible. Yeah, and because like, you know, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back, it's yours. That right? to me is definitely <laughs> love. Like I. You know what? I'm like a type of person who's like sometimes whatever I want something, I'm going to fucking get it and like do whatever. But like truly, if you really, really have respect for something and like when you know it's right, you have to do that. And if you don't like, fuck you. Uh, And so to Henry, I do say that. I will say, though, that the original Henry, Eric Bana uh, Mm -hmm. and his interactions with the girl, I felt like were slightly more appropriate. Um, He He, felt more like an older man having in like having a boundary set with a younger girl yeah i would agree with you they probably realized uh early on that it was uh maybe we we maybe we had to be <laughs> be careful with this right yeah uh-huh yeah so we have maybe it was like yeah we have to create boundaries too and like okay they realized that you know that that was a fine line that they had to walk um and it sucks because everything just happened so fast that like the whole movie is over and done with within two hours and you're like, what the hell just happened? How do I even feel about it? And the more you kind of sit with it, the more you realize, yeah, there are some issues here. Mm-hmm. 
uh, major, major major issues which <laughs> and and i guess someone was like oh let's expand upon that and make a whole television series but exactly <laughs> and that's how we end up with the time traveler's wife on hbo not even hbo max this is an hbo original series uh so the time traveler's wife uh is a tv series it was greenlit in 2018 that's when they had the uh uh it was greenlit and it went for straight to series order uh it's written by Stephen moffat who is a doctor who writer yeah it's- well yeah but you know what else he's written uh, no he's also co-written the sherlock series and oh, okay. the Dracula one that we covered for this yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. okay. That would explain. Okay. Not spoiler, I guess, for the rest of the episode. But I'm shocked at how much I was like kind of enjoying this show compared to the movie, to yeah, be honest. He, he was, uh, so set- Stephen Moffat, you know, kudos to him. He was a head writer and executive producer for several years. Apparently, according to a New York Times article that I saw, one of the episodes of Doctor Who is based off of the time traveler's wife. Uh, the girl in the fire. Okay, there oh, we go. The girl okay. in the fireplace is based there, there off of the other novel. Things that I like looking looking at this. I mean, I love this. I also a big fan of Stephen Moffat and his writing, and um, but looking at this reminds me of Doctor Who, like situations of like uh, they had that episode when the Doctor visits a uh, a little girl. He la- he crash lands in time, and he visits this little girl named Amy Pond, and she's like saves his life and they're like bosom buddies and he says i'm gonna be right back gets into his time machine comes back but it's like several years later and she's like a 20 something year old girl who had become obsessed with him Mm -mm -mm. in that moment you know like that moment that she (sighs) had as a little girl is now like her whole life has been shaped by that moment oh god right there that word her whole life has been shaped is just like oh that's so that's like so sad (laughs) I don't know. I don't. I don't find romanticizing in that um, because, like, maybe from the time traveler's perspective, not from the girl's perspective, it almost seems to be a romantic trope. You know, like, oh, a woman's life gets ruined by some sort of torrid time traveling fantasy man, and it's just well, like, not romantic. And I think that probably harkens back to back in the day when you know sailors used to sail off, and you'd had a woman waiting for him in like the widow's walk. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, mean, and but did people like? Oh wow, I wish I had a sailor that could just leave me for th- for the rest of my life, and I spent the rest of my life waiting for him. Like, is that something that people wanted? No, but I feel like people romanticize the waiting woman. Uh, okay, and I think the people who do that are typically men. Obviously. Men, yeah. yeah. Although the time traveler's wife was written by a woman, but again, remember her intention of writing the book. It was about love. It was about loneliness and relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's what her intention was. Again, I didn't read the book, but I remember like she made it pretty clear that that's why she wanted to write the book. She had reasons. So Time Traveler's Right, written by Stephen Moffat, starring uh, Rose Leslie as Claire and Theo James from the Divergent series, I think, Mm -hmm. as Henry DeTemble, who is the main time traveler himself. Uh, I'll say this right off the bat for a show called The Time Traveler's Wife. Are we the first couple of episodes really do focus a lot on the time traveler? Yes. <laughs> you know? uh, but, but that that changes. It really no, wants it you to it know does, how it, it works. Yeah, yeah. It works. yeah. They yeah. they just they spend a lot more time focusing on the uh I guess like 
on who the time traveler is and then yeah. they go to the wife. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So let's get right into it. So there's an HBO original. Uh, I don't know. What are your initial thoughts and stuff, Nicole? Um, geez. Just from watching. I mean, just... um, I don't feel too much different than what I do about the film. Uh, okay. To be completely honest, I just think that they took the issues and just expanded upon them and added new issues. But in other ways, they added things that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I will say my favorite episode was episode two. Okay. Um, and there were a lot of issues that I found in particular with episode three. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I only okay. watched the first three. Uh, but yeah, I think that it's, it's the source itself is again, it's controversial. It's got like these things that are complicated within them. And it's, you have to, if you're going to adapt it, you have to do those things. So I do think that the one thing I'll say for the show is that they are kind of exploring the complicatedness of it all and the imperfect imperfections within it. And the fact that people are like flawed and messed up and like, Hey, just because you're a time traveler doesn't mean like, you know, shit mm-hmm. um, or like you, you're a put together person, which I think was more than the movie was trying to do. Yes, um, I would agree. So I appreciate at least that. Uh, and I get more of a sense of who the fuck Henry is and who Claire is. I mean, I'm starting yeah. to get more of a sense of who Claire is. Right. Um, I think, yeah. I For me, one of the main issues I have right from the get-go is the trope of, like, kind of these videos that we're seeing. Yeah. That's supposed to be the future. I think Theo James's makeup is so bad as an old <laughs> And uh, same as with Claire. Uh, but obviously, as someone who had seen the movie, it's just, like, my assumption is that these are... Uh, these are videos that the parents are recording for their daughter. Who, if you finish the movie, she too is Spoiler. afflicted with with uh, yeah, <laughs> but she too is afflicted with uh with uh the genetic time disorder. travel, yeah. right? She but she has a little more control over it. Uh, so that's my assumption. We don't know yet. At least by the time I also saw the first three episodes of the series, it's an order of six episodes. Uh. But so I'm at the halfway point, and uh, right now we don't know who this thing is for, who these videos are for. I'm assuming it's for the daughter, and uh, I would agree with you. I actually think, <laughs> I think they do explore here this idea of grooming more explicitly mm-hmm. uh, in this show than the film did. Right where I, you mentioned, like Eric Bana, he kind of really tries to play a lot more. <laughs> Let's keep our distance, kind of thing. Yeah. Where here they don't, but I think they do that. After watching the third, by the third episode, and Eddie says by the fourth episode, they really kind of peel that onion layer back. Uh, but even by the end of the third episode, I think they're kind of calling out, like, it's just like, yeah, there is this idea of grooming, but who necessarily is grooming who, right? Like, how much control does she have in this whole situation? Because I think what they did here that was interesting was like, they kind of make this realization that she has that like the future is kind of predetermined. And there's a scene where she's like driving this car, like a maniac, right? Be closing her eyes because she... again, I think it's a woman who's frustrated with this idea that she has no control over the future at this point. Right. She, yeah. So she's which is something the wild. movie didn't have, which was right. like, Oh wow. Here's someone who's like trying to break, you know, free of the constraints that they feel have been placed on their own lives. And it's kind of having a mental breakdown. Which yeah. I totally appreciated about episode three, mm-hmm. um, but okay. And I also, continue. Yeah, well, I also think Rose Lily also did a better job of showing her frustration, like when she is uh, smitten with him, she she's smitten. But when she's angry and she's frustrated with this whole 
um, mess of time travel, she's frustrated and she shows it. She does a really good job of kind of performing that. Yeah. Uh, more so than Rachel McAdams. Uh, Theo James is a snack. And, uh, but I also, but I actually do think he's able to kind of uh, bring a little bit of that, like, kind of, let's just say it's just like, I understand why a young girl would fall head over heels for Theo James, right? Like, he's fucking delicious. And uh, I'm not saying that that makes it okay, but I'm just saying it's just like, I understand, girl. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) but keep it in your pants. She well, didn't want yeah. to, apparently. I mean, this show is also, like, not afraid to go places. And I, you actually posted about the very scene that I wanted to bring up recently. And I was like, oh, he already posted about it. So he's ready to talk about this. Oh, I'm so... Me and Eddie oh are God. so ready to talk about it. Yeah, so, so what we were your to... reactions during that scene? Oh, I laughed. I rewound. I thought it was so funny. I thought it was hilarious. You thought it was funny? Okay. I thought it was hilarious. What did you... Eddie? Oh, me? I I thought, like, yeah, I could see that. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's very interesting too because it reminds me this whole idea of like coming into your own timeline and always um always engaging yourself. You know, you're always like a future version of yourself is gonna be like coming into your life and talking to you, uh, or other things. Uh it was like there was a book called The Man Who Folded Himself and it was the same premise too. He would like uh, Perform uh, but, oral sex on himself, but no, the sense. But it was a little more explicit in the sense of like, yeah, it was more explicit. Oh, yeah. oh okay, oh, okay, but, all right. But uh. but there's but there's this idea of like, of like constantly folding yourself within your own time, encountering yourself, you know, and interacting with yourself. So you're gonna be affected by the past self and the future self constantly. Interesting. And yeah. he folded himself into positions, I assume, then, yeah. based off of what you're saying. Um, Nicole. That's a fuck-up way of your father finding out. Oh, my God. Yeah, super yeah. messed up. Um, yeah, so pretty much what the scene we're, we're talking about is that when he was still uh, finding when out about 16? his own sexuality, yeah. uh, he used his time-traveling abilities to uh, sexually Perform experiment on sex. himself. It was yeah. performing oral he sex performed on oral sex on himself, which I was like, okay, so clearly they were like, hey, let's have more fun with this content. I mean, if you were a time traveler, would you do this? And right. I wanted to ask that to everybody. So yeah, would so you, Nicole? Like, I, would you experiment with yourself? <laughs> I feel like a prude because I I looked at that scene. I was like, this is gross. I would never do that. Would you? That's so do interesting. That? Yeah. In a, okay. In a heartbeat. Maybe like, it's a guy thing. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> I mean, we're also gay, but also but I think I'm, the other. I'm gay. That's true. Yeah. That does. So that's interesting. <laughs> I just uh, wouldn't maybe... do it. Because uh, it's A, it's peak <laughs> narcissism, right? Yeah, it's peak narcissism. <laughs> like, yes. if you think about it. That's... But B, technically speaking, isn't it just like masturbation, basically? No. Yes. Because <laughs> it's just, it's still no. you. It's because, um, well, no, there's, first of all, there's two people involved. So it's not just one. <laughs> Even if it's yourself, there's still two separate bodies engaging. Mm-hmm. And I have, this is disgusting. I've never tasted myself and I don't want to. <laughs> I guess it's a guy thing. I think a lot of guys I, maybe, usually yeah, to try like... to taste themselves, you know, <laughs> it happens. So, but again, like I was like, maybe I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm a prude. Like if that's your thing and you would, like, I don't judge you. Um, I think you're going to get, I think, you. I, so I, yeah, I, I do think though that the writer did, I think most men in a heartbeat, if given the opportunity, would do would, it probably yeah, yeah i think yeah. most heterosexual or homosexual it doesn't matter like they they would 
Well, so that's some of the things that the show explores. <laughs> but like, it's not it's not afraid to go to places that other things haven't gone to, uh, which I also think like in episode three they really tried to explore too, um, which I thought was a a really interesting and, and complex uh relationship and like perspective that i i was trying to figure out where are they coming from in this where do they stand what's what are they trying to say to me Um, do you want to just give a little bit of do you just want to say what it's about yeah okay so then maybe we'll come back to episode two after that yeah we could Um, i mean we could jump around like he jumps around you know let's jump around in time uh so claire pretty much asks henry to uh kill someone for her Mm -hmm. and we find out and this is when she's in the midst of her having kind of like a breakdown, trying to be free of her own constraints that she feels like have been put onto her life. She is 16 years old and she's already feeling like, you know, she is locked in a cage. Mm-hmm. And so she's really freaking out. And while they have this boy that she wants to kill, even though now she's changing her mind and saying, let's just beat the shit out of him. Um, you know, she then confesses that she was beaten badly by him to the point where she has cigar cigarette uh, burns on her body by this guy who had sexual desires on her and the future it is revealed to us that she is was indeed sexually assaulted by this guy mm-hmm. but she didn't tell that to henry because of course he'd make it about his own rage if she did and not about oh, her which is interesting because as we pointed out for the first film it's all about She's very protective of Henry and yeah. his feelings. Which, like, uh, how fucking tragic that she can't even be honest about what has happened to her because of how she feels or consideration about somebody else, right? That's well, already it, fucked up. It was a little bit more to that because she does say, I didn't want to tell him because if I told him, it would be real. And as long as I was with him, it di- it felt like it wasn't real. But isn't like, it- wait, wait, wait to finish. Okay. That it was always him. That it was always it was always just him. Right. So that's right? what the writer and and that's basically what the writer is saying, right? About rape culture though. And I think that in and of itself kind of poses this idea that like a woman who is raped now has to live in like her own fantasy land. No, it doesn't say that. But it is kind of saying that. that. It it is well, it is putting that forward, at least. It's beginning a conversation piece where that could possibly be part of the equation. I don't know if it's completely saying that, but it's throwing it out there. Rolando didn't just pick that up from nowhere. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, because I, I, I enjoyed that episode. I did. But, like, again, there are these things. I mean, rape as, like, a usually as a trope, uh, not as a trope, but as a plot point, tends to be very, very, like, did we really need this, right? And I think this episode, for sure, is one of those things that, like, I don't know if we needed the actual rape and we never we never saw it right like yeah we never they, saw we saw they also the they also leave it up body. to interpret like did it really happen like um, no, it did. I, you see it in episode four. Oh, oh, you see okay so she has flashbacks oh, so, so we do great. know so it happens okay so i don't but again to my point though i don't know if rape is necessarily always like the should be the go-to sometimes to show like i don't know why like i feel like a lot of writers tend to go for rape as like the ultimate breaking of a woman yeah, and we know that rape is bad, but like it's just I don't know. Sometimes I think it is weak writing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I think you need to see it see more to it. There's more to it. I mean, first of all, she gets to decide who she tells to. Yes. Yeah, she has her reasons not telling Henry, but also she gets to decide not to tell Henry. Yeah. She gets to decide how she's going to process this. And if she decides, you know, she recognizes that yeah, I kept this and 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 Henry helped me not think about it. And then when she's when you see her older and she's saying, but now Henry's not here. So it's her re- realizing now that this is coming up her later on in life. This is coming up, too. 
but that there is that moment where she takes control of the situation where, where we have him like duct tape to the tree and like and and, and she makes graffiti. it into life art you know and then there's a certain empowerment for her in that i suppose so. so so my the only thing i agree with you in the sense where she does it's up to her and her choices in her life as to who gets to know or what who doesn't get to know but it's also made explicitly clear that he would kill this man and he would make really strong emotional decisions if he were to have found out the truth so she that was some sort of factor in her not telling him she called him out for it but mm-hmm. she still decided to stand by not telling him for that reason based on him and yeah. secondly she then gets told or even like manipulated by the other guy saying that she wanted it that's what she likes right, right? And, and that's she's, just right so she's humiliated and like you know pretty much like objectified and then that's the moment that she finds out that Henry indeed will be her husband. So just like, which is so terrible. The amount of oh trauma my God, you're you right. might I didn't even just realize that, that. You're right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is why I feel like this episode is complicated because I was like, well, this is awful. This is terrible. And this girl, like, <laughs> is the show proposing this as a tragedy or is it not? Because I don't feel the tragic levels of this that it should, that I should be feeling. If that makes sense. I agree with you. And I, to Eddie, I also understand your point, though, because, like, you know, it's her her body. Well, not her body. It's her choice to say, to share what she wants to share with But then share she got him, right? robbed of her choices in the same exact right. fucking scene. And this is, this is why. And I did mean, this she is, actually have that choice? This is, a, it's a complicated matter. You know, that's what I could say. I get, I just want to turn my attention a little bit to episode two, where we see a little bit more of the complications of time travel. Of course, uh, I'd rather talk about that episode because that was a lovely episode. I, I I thought it was a lovely episode as well. Uh, we got to see Kate Segal, who I know her from uh, a lot of uh, Flannery's work. Right? We we talked about her a little bit in Hill House. Uh, I like her. I thought right. That's where I know her from. Yeah, yeah. Or or the other one, Blythe Manor. Yeah, that's she was Blythe, a bigger role in yeah. Blythe. Uh, but she, first of all, I want to say this hairdo working wonders for her. She looked spectacular. Uh, but she plays the mom, who is a famous opera singer, and uh, she is decapitated in a very horrific car accident. That's very much the fault of a shitty driver. You know what I mean? Just speeding in like a congested road for no fucking reason when it's snowing. Uh, she gets decapitated. This is when, uh, uh, and this becomes a focal point in Henry's life. He will always gravitate towards this moment, right? Because it's such a big traumatic moment in him. And I think they did this wonderful thing that's both tragic and I think just like uh, from a visual point of view that I like, it's just like this idea of like all these Henrys from all different ages seeing this moment over and over again, right? Like how awful that must be to see the moment your mom dies. Absolutely. Yeah. Terrible. And, uh, the, the the story focuses more so on Henry, his frustration, his own frustrations with his time travel, right? Like how he... So this is where the film never... We never got to see any of like Henry's troubles with time travel. This episode really focuses on what it means to be... Uh, we know what it's like to be alone as Claire because we got a movie out of it. But this one we get to see now what his loneliness is. Because his loneliness is almost twofold. Because yeah. even though... He yeah, his is almost worse because he's not only alone, he's also even alone when he has himself. He has survivor's guilt. 
because that's also true. Yeah, survived and and she died, and he almost feels like it was his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has that on top of it, and Be- the thing about his time travel, which we actually haven't said too, is that usually if he has a strong emotion, he will then time travel and it's usually to a moment in his life that can resonate with where he is right so if he Mm -hmm. has doubts about being a parent then he'll like either go to the future and that's where he'll meet his daughter Mm -hmm. or you know he'll go back in time and talk to his wife about her if they're having troubles like it's usually related to what he's experiencing emotionally that he has you know a time travel trip for which leads you to believe that like on some level he can't control it but henry's too weak not like his daughter emotionally yeah he can't just control his emotions (laughs) um but it it, this episode kind of like it's really complicated how it works and like maybe it's realistic maybe it's completely not but i don't even care (laughs) because like pretty much he wants his wife to meet his mother so Mm. he like has this whole thing where when they're 20 and when it's like, I don't even know how it works. Like how he realized that this was a thing. Eddie had to explain it to me because I was like, didn't he just break his own rule? He says that he can't change the past. But as Eddie told me, well, Eddie, I'll let you explain this. You're the one who explained this to me. How did that work? Yeah. So he told, he knows that after his mom's performance, she's, she does a Q and a. So the tape that they were listening to, he never completed it. He always stopped it just before she would start the Q and a. So he never knew what the rest of the tape was. Um, so this gave him the space or the opportunity to create a moment where his future self is able to, his future self meets up with his mother, begs her to, can you speak to Claire for me in your Q&A? You know, she had this question, answer this question for her. And um, it gets recorded on the tape. Right. Yeah. So when they lit, they listen to the rest of the tape. It's there. He must Which have been very... really desperate with the way he said it, because like she's she went on for five minutes to answer. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, and Nip I think it. that was actually, I thought that was like probably a wonderfully told moment that you can, you know, where obviously it, it was impactful. I thought it was like I thought it was sentimental, a little melodramatic, maybe, but like. God. I thought, but hang on. That I'm, I'm saying, you but don't give I think this thing it, a break, do you? It was so, I, the nice moment is too much. It was still impactful. Well, I actually did. I I liked it. I thought it was nice, and it kind of it had way more emotion in that one scene than the entire film did. Do you know what I mean? It did, yeah. But that's because they created this whole fantastic fantastical situation that could never happen in real life and you know it it stung to all of us who's lost someone who would love to talk to someone again or have some a message from the grave and stuff you know and and unfortunately in those cases that's unfair because of course you're gonna make me feel things when you like do that but i i it works it's a, yeah. still but it's a science fiction love story, right? And that's the, prime the whole th- opportunity if, to yeah, do that kind of stuff. But if you're not okay with like, yeah, being like manipulated in that way, then why the hell are you watching Time Traveler's Wife? Exactly. No, <laughs> absolutely. Sorry, 100%, yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Watch anything. No, no, well, no, 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 no. Not but everything. Like, no. It, it's like, but but things make you feel. Oh no. Right? Yeah, but mm. like you, you got to go to that genre looking for it too at the same time, right? Like, so I this well, is a you go for a romance, right? You're looking to be captivated within the romance, of course. But the other thing is because it's so fantastical, that's the science fiction element that they're able to use that to their advantage here. So yeah, so and it, I think that's why I think it works. It's also sentimentality, right? Like a lot of people don't like sentimentality because they feel like it's cheap, and that's one that's not a genre. 
and two, like, you know, there are some people who don't want to be manipulated in that way. And people, and there are a lot of people who think that sentimentality is manipulative emotionally. Um, so if you're going to watch like a sci-fi romance thing called the time traveler's wife, there probably will be moments of sent overtly sentimentality in it. And if you're a person who does not like that and does not want to be manipulated emotionally, then don't watch this because it's going to go I think, there. Yeah. And I think nostalgia is a worser, a worser tool to be honest than sentimentality. You what is sentimental. a worser tool? Nostalgia. Oh, nostalgia. Like ex- yeah. yeah. No, that's, nostalgia. I would, yeah, is, that's probably like equal measures of that. You know, some people are perfectly fine with it and would prefer it. I'm, I'm kind of that person, but I sometimes mm. get it. It depends on what I'm watching, honestly. They, I, I would agree. Like it does. Like if I'm watching a romance, obviously I want some sentimentality and I want it to like strike a nerve. And I think that one, be, you know, it's a deceased parent yeah. and it's like this yeah. like magical moment of like, Time oh my God, how did this happen? Time travel's not real, so yeah. Right. And, yeah. It, and it, I think it worked. I think that scene worked and I think, uh, again, impactful. Also, you know, just I think uh, his mom looked dynamite in that outfit. Like that beautiful, <laughs> yeah, beautiful no, red dress. Very beautiful, yeah. I think <laughs> all of the non-love story parts worked for me. You know, him visiting his past self and like kind of training him that worked you know his the whole bomb thing it worked the the romance stuff doesn't always hit for me though do you think the romance stuff doesn't hit for you because as we've been saying there's this loss of agency right like she yeah she that's even not said romantic it. she yeah she built her whole identity around him oh my God. wait for episode four I don't I know if ha- I want to watch her get raped. Because, because <laughs> I'll give it. A, I'll oh, give. No, I'll, no, I'll give mean, it a shot. Just, it was a quick flashback scene, but uh, this that that as 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 you you saw in episode uh, three, um, they already they're already commenting on their situation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in episode four, it is even more the idea of grooming. I mean, it said right. He said, "I basically groomed you, you know, into this situation." And she goes, "What makes you think I didn't groom you?" Because she was a child. Okay. <laughs> well, she mean, was a child. As, yeah. an, as, as, a, as becoming a young adult. Right. The decisions that she made during their last encounters with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, but then also comes up agency. Like what, what is agency and love? So they have this whole little talk and they're talking in the video about agency and love. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so these things get, the things that you are talking about, things you have problems with are actually get called out. In episode four. Yeah, but if, yeah. if she says to him, what makes as well you as think- Claire's bisexuality. That's oh, that's cool. Uh, what if, like, <laughs> what makes you think I didn't groom you? Um, I don't know if I, I even, I feel like I already have problems with that. <laughs> with just that alone, which is it's just like, how can a 14-year-old be emotionally or intellectually capable of doing that to a person who has pre-knowledge and is much older than she does? I do appreciate, though, that at least this one, they didn't de-sexualize her in a way. And this is going to be weird for me to say, but like in episode three, we do get to see, we see her like, she's, I think 16, maybe 16, 17. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. She like, you know, she wants to see him naked. Right. Cause she's a growing young woman. And of course, like if you see a hot piece of ass, like uh, James Theo, you're going to be like, Theo James, I yeah. have a chance. I'm going to take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she shot her shot. It's Theo James. Theo James, I'm sorry. sorry. Theo James. Yeah, well, I know uh, in the book know. that he sleeps with her when she's 18, which is also, I wonder if they'll c- include that in the show because that's also like, I think he must have been 40 and she was 18. It doesn't matter if you marry her later and you've slept 41. with her 
Uh, she's happy. Yeah, yeah. like that's also like. So if this is the way the show, if the show pretty much just goes, "Hey, I groomed her, but it's cool. She's cool with it. I don't want to watch it." (laughs) Yeah, I don't. So I know I had I pitched a show like to explore the idea of grooming, and I don't. Upon watching it, I don't know if grooming is necessarily the right word, especially that's a word that's getting thrown around so much by the conservators. I just want to point out that like what we're witnessing is more closer to grooming than like talking about homosexuality in a classroom. I just want to point that out. Uh, however, I will say this. I think ultimately it's what I realize about these two properties. It's not necessarily about the grooming. I think it's about what is consent. And if the future is predetermined, then like, does anything really matter? Right. That is really ultimately what these two pieces of this franchise, like, that's the ultimate question that I get out of yeah. this, right? Or if things are predetermined, do you ever have a choice in your own life, right? Because right. I think more so, like, are you passive or are you uh, more active in, in the choices and the ways that your life goes? Even if yeah, you know it, things, are you actively trying to avoid that? Even if it lends you there, are you still trying to be active in your own life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. But I don't... You know, I know I made the joke. It's you know, is this really about grooming? I don't. That's I don't think that's what this is about anymore. I think this is really just about a young woman who was never given a choice in the matter. She just just never. She never had a fighting chance. You know, and I think that's ultimately the real tragedy of this. Is not that he's gonna die because we know he's gonna die. We know we see it in episode one that like his feet, uh, his you know his dead feet yeah. show up. They're setting up his blood. death. A, a, a better in the show almost too obviously but that's because we've seen the yeah, original know, film so yeah already, but the thing with this that shows um i was thinking about this was he he he's he explains when she finds his baby tooth that that parts of his body travel so also, anything yeah. that his teeth his his uh he says his fingernail clippings mm-hmm. they also time travel so even they don't have to be part of his body anymore. They could be separate. They time travel any part of his body, whether it's attached to him or not, or has been dispensed from him or not, um, travels. Mm-hmm. Also has the time travel quality. So I think those feet was at some point. I'm I'm assuming that they have his body. Uh, he maybe his body in science or something. He donated his body to science or something for study. They were also because they were cut. Yeah, and they look. And his they look, his feet know? get decapitated. I think. Yeah. So. Um. Yes. So in the movie, it's that he had hypothermia and they had to cut off his feet mm. after he landed in one place because he's naked. Uh, the question that I thought that part raised is just like every part of me that's organic time travels and stuff. So what happens to like his like jizz after <laughs> he like, ejaculates after jerking off? Like, no, it's it's just like. You know, I mean, we know the movie explorers like he has miscarriages because her, her, the her, fetus. her fetus has a genetic makeup as him. Yeah, so like by that logic, it's just like, does that mean that this is like random splooshes that like fall in the air sometimes? And are we confusing that with like bird poop? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, God. Is that what was on my car? <laughs> I will but say no. I appreciate their uh portrayal of time travel and that he always loses his clothes or he's always naked because that makes sense whereas in so many other things people who time travel don't lose their clothes and it doesn't make any sense how do your clothes time travel yeah yeah i do appreciate that yeah so but overall i'm actually i will say this i'm enjoying this show way more than i wasn't than the movie uh i will 
continue it. Eddie continued it without me, and I was I felt very betrayed. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, he went off and decided I'm going to watch this episode before we record for the record for the podcast. He did his watching. homework. So, he was doing his homework, and I because I wanted to give you guys a little bit extra for those who didn't make it. To mm-hmm. But I'm probably yeah, I plan on probably continuing this and probably watching the full six episodes just to see where the story goes. Because like, if you guys saw our Instagram earlier this week, you know I posted it's like I'm watching the time traveler's wife for the plot. The plot is really just Theo James, you know, naked and Theo running James. around giving himself blowjobs, you know that kind of stuff. And it's just like you know what. That's okay, too. That's all right. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So, Nicole, I want to ask this, right? Since I'm the one who pitched this one. Usually, you're the one who asks. But do you think this remake is worth it? Mm, no. That's our new question, right? Yeah. Was it worth okay. it? Yeah. I'm going to say no. I don't know if I like that question. <laughs> well, we have to find a better way to say it. Yeah. Is this... You just changed the question recently. We changed it last week, and this is going to be an After ongoing years process. years of asking, was this needed? Was I mean, needed? I don't know if this was... No, because right. we know was that uh, the question, it? There's nothing is ever needed, but is this worth it? We'll, we'll stick to that question for now. But was So you don't think it's worth it? Yeah, and I'm of course, this is subjectively speaking. In my subjective opinion, uh, it didn't give me enough newness to it, and it also mm-hmm. just kind of created new issues. And it's it's really tricky. And I also thought as a society that maybe we had moved past these weird old tropes of, you know, these lonely women who needed these men to kind of like save their lives. Uh, so I will not be continuing it personally. I, I just I won't. I also don't usually continue television shows. So it's nothing against the show. It's just me. I don't continue television shows if I don't have to watch for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't feel like it was worth it. Did you? Yeah, I, I kind of did because like I thought the film itself was kind of so lackluster and forgettable, uh, and this one for me feels outside of the eye candy. Uh, I don't know. I think it's just ex- giving me a little bit more of an exploration of characters here that I didn't get in the original film. In the original film, like their love story was just so, ah, blah, you know. Where this one, at least, I'm seeing the ups and downs of, in fact, being married to the time traveler. I see what it is like to be the time traveler's wife mm, now. Yeah. In the movie, I felt like I got a lot of downs. There was, like, this whole montage of her just living her life completely alone. Uh, yeah. And the ending was pretty tragic, where she's just like, oh, this happened again. Let me just go on about my life until it happens again. Like, that's sad. That was, yeah. But you only got that for, like, five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, yeah, Rolando needs things for seven hours straight. I mean, six hours. It's only six episodes. <laughs> and uh, Wait, is there going to be a season two? No, as far as I know, this is right now just a limited, se- it's like a mini series almost. Okay. Uh, So I don't know. I can't imagine there is a season two. Like, yeah. you know how he's going to die. And they usually don't do that because they, well, they come from England where they don't do that. They have more, you know, tighter stories that don't lag mm-hmm. over seasons. So uh, let's see. In that case, I think that would be interesting. What I have noticed, though, is that so everything seems to be 42, Mm -hmm. 41 or 42 when when the event is going to happen. That that was the young that was the oldest person in the event of his mother's death um, that was there was 41. And he he makes a comment in episode four that so far I haven't met anybody older than than 41. Uh huh. 
um, when he's talking about himself. So it's the 41 version of himself saying, I haven't met anybody older than me. Mm. But the videos that he's making. I was going to say that. They're older. He's like, yeah. I don't know if it's just bad makeup or he lived a hard life between yeah, the year 41, 41 and 42. Yeah, because, I don't know. Even as his 41, I'm like, dude, those wrinkles are a little bit extra. Well, that's, yeah. This, okay, <laughs> those are a little bit extra. It's, uh, first of all, I think it's ridiculous that they grayed his hair out when he's in his 30s because it's silly. It's just like no one, like very few people get like grays like that no, in their 30s. Some, some it, I'm not saying, do. I'm not saying, yes, some people, <laughs> very, very small minority here. Uh, Steve most Martin, people like Anderson you, Cooper. Small that, minorities. A small minority, yeah. so. Yeah. They're just small minorities. I'm just saying, like, more people, especially if you have the genetics that Theo James has, I'm just saying. Okay. And next time, you know what? If you want to give you a realistic version, like, start giving me dad bods then and start giving me, like, <laughs> balding heads. Yeah, why is now, he got to be, like, really fit and gray? Yeah, but, you know, because it's HBO, and HBO is just like, we're showing ass. This is true. This is true. And uh, you 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 want to see hot ass, and that's that's Theo James. That's how he got this role. Uh, sorry, buddy. No, his acting's not bad though. I I actually think he's way more. So good, yeah. Yeah, I think he I I prefer his performance over Eric Bana. And he did a pretty good American accent. He's British. Mm-hmm. He's English. Oh, I didn't know this about him. All right, well there, there you, you go. go. There you go. Um, but guys, have you seen? Are you currently watching The Time Traveler's Wife? Let us know in the comments. You can find us on uh, Instagram, Remix Reboots Revivals. We're also on Facebook slash Remix Reboots Revivals. You can also hit me up on Twitter at Remix Podcast. And uh, you know what? You want to really give us an essay? Feel free to write us an email. Our email is RemakesRebootsRevivals at gmail.com. And we also have a hotline. Nicole, what's that hotline? 862-248-2326. That number is 862-248-2326. Yep. And if you want to access some of our older episodes, because I don't think they're on iTunes anymore. We have too many. Feel free to go to <laughs> RemakesRebootsRevivals.com where you can access our entire library. And please, please be sure to rate us on your Apple podcast. It will help other listeners find us and mm-hmm. it will help us grow. I feel like we always talk about our Star is Born this episode. Well, that won't be on Apple Podcasts. That would only be if you go to RemakesRebootsRevivals.com and you visit, mm-hmm. visit our Podbean website. That's where you'll find it. All the way back in the archives. I think it was like our fifth or sixth episode. Yeah, there's a search function. You just, a Star is Born. Lady Gaga. Or, yeah, that too. Stay tuned for next week. And until then, stay, stay unoriginal. unoriginal.